Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast. I am your host, Camry Whitmer, and today I am rocking my Kimes Ranch apparel while doing this podcast. I've got my Kimes Ranch cap on, and I have always wanted a pair of jean overalls for ladies. And Kimes came out with a pair, and I just had to have them, and I absolutely love them. They're comfortable. They're adjustable. I can dress them up and wear them for cute or... I'm self-employed at home and I can wear them around with just a sweater over them and they fit and they're comfy and they're stretchy and I can just do whatever I want in them and I get lots of compliments on them. So if you are looking for your Kimes Ranch apparel, check out rodeokids.com. You can listen to the podcast and shop all at the same time. So now let's get started on today's podcast topic. Requested by some of our 2020 Pony Pros from the Performance Pony Company about mental strength before, during, and after a competitive run. To me, the first step in being successful is defining your goals. Now, whether that means writing it down or just knowing in your heart what that is, that's up to you how you go about deciding what those goals are. Um, I listened to a a little deal that somebody had posted with Trevor Brazil, and he said, "If you can't, if you have to write your goals down, then you know, they must not mean enough to you if you can't remember them." Uh, but I know for me personally, writing down my goals, they stay the same goals, but it makes me think about them on a deeper level. Like now that I got this piece of paper in front of me, let's talk about how we're going to make these goals happen. So I already know them. They're in my heart. They're in my gut. They're in my soul. They're in my head. So I know what these goals are that I want to accomplish. Now, how are you going to do that? You got to kind of put together a plan and this plan is going to change and you're going to have road bumps, but we need to have a starting point and an ending point. So if your goal is to uh, win the year end in the, the tie down rope and let's say, let's say you want to be a, a calf roper and you've been working really hard the past couple years and your goal is to be a winner this year. All right. Now, who do we need to surround ourselves with to make this happen? You know, who we surround ourselves with is so important. Um, whether it's our family or our friends, our coaches, our uh, clinicians, whoever it may be, let's talk about a few of those people that, that we really want to be around. Let's Let's figure out who those winners are that are at the local rodeos that we're going to or the big rodeos or jackpots or uh, who do we need to practice with to push us to the next level. So after you've written down your goals, uh, write down who those people are and you might write down also who the people are that you need to stop surrounding yourself with. You know, who are the people that, you know, when you think of them, they just bring you down. And that doesn't mean that you don't need to still be friends with them, but uh, how do we separate ourselves from them while we're competing? Uh, You know, just try to figure out who those people are, make your lists, and uh, try to figure out how to deal with, you know, say to maybe telling a friend, you know, I just need some time to be alone before I compete, or let's hang out after the rodeo, or just, you're just choosing to not be around them, setting yourself apart from that situation. All right, next, where do you need to go? Where do you need to go to practice? Where do you need to go to compete? Where do you need to go to learn online? You know, do you, what YouTube videos do you need to watch? What, um, you know, what 
videos do you need to buy that can teach you how to get to the next level uh, with some of the people that you really respect? And it's, you know, it's important to remember too when you're choosing the people that you are going to surround yourself with that they fit your style. Um, you, you can learn something for ev- from everybody by all means, but if there's somebody that you know that you learn from better than the next person or, uh, you know, maybe say we're doing the tie down or the goat tie in or bull riding or even anything that has to do with these animals. Somebody who maybe fits your physical figure a little bit more. I'm five foot two, so I'm a short person. For me to go learn to tie goats from somebody who's five nine, five ten, you know, we're going to have different styles just because of the way that our bodies function and that the way, the way that they work. Not that we shouldn't practice together, not that we shouldn't learn together from time to time. But the people that we're going to surround ourselves with often, um, you know, make sure that we're we're learning from the people who who are built similar to us too. You know, even when we're riding horses, where my legs hit a horse and my calves hit a horse are a little bit different than what somebody who's a lot taller than me and has long legs. So uh, that's just a minor thing, you know. Learn from whoever you can, but. If we're getting down to the nitty-gritty details, those are the things that we need to look into when it comes to being a winner. Um, And then what do you need to get there? Do you need a truck and trailer? What do your parents need? What um, Do you need money? Do you need sponsors? Do you need to go get a job? Uh, Do you need strings? Do you need, you know, just what are those things that you're going to need and about how much are those things going to cost you? And if some of you are listening to this, don't have to worry about that at this point in your life. You're a little bit younger and mom and dad are still helping, you know, foot the bill. But it's still really important for you to be respectful of that and to understand it so that as you grow up and you are responsible for those things, that you know what it took for you to get there. Just expecting mom and dad to pay for things all the time and not taking any responsibility for those, um, you know, is something that we don't want to fall into the trap of doing. And if you know that mom or dad went and spent a bunch of money on strings for you or bought a new horse or something, maybe you should cut a deal with them and say, hey, you know, after my entry fees, I'm going to pay you back my entry fees. And then after that, you get 50% of my winnings because I know that you're paying a lot for me to get up and down the road. Or maybe say, hey, let's put 50% of my winnings back into supplies that I need and feed and all that kind of stuff. Let's do 50% of my winnings uh, into a college fund. Like, let's really think about what we're going to do with that money that we win as well and make sure that we're understanding it at a, at a deeper level versus just what the entry fees are and what we win and getting to hoard all of our winnings. So, um, you put that thing, put those things all under what defines your goal because. Your goal has a lot of different levels to it. So if we can start with those things, uh, you know, who you're going to surround yourself, where you need to go, what you need to do, and then how are you going to do that? Are you going to have to go get a job? Are you going to have to make a deal with your parents? Are you going to have to uh, make sure that you're going to practice for two hours after you get your homework done? Um Are you going to have to take care of your horse? Are you going to have to get some better supplements? How are you going to make that happen? Like, let's just really take a realistic look at all of it. Um, So that's kind of the in-depth version of what 
goes into your goal and you might not be at the level yet to discuss all of those things with your parents. You know, maybe maybe you're still just figuring out, you know, who you need your friends to be, where you need to enter, um, and what supplies you need. And that's okay. But as you get older and grow up, start thinking about the things that go on to it at a deeper level and make sure that you always, always, always thank your parents, your guardians, your sponsors, or whoever else, your producers, whoever else it is that's helping you make these dreams come true. Because without them, we'd be sitting on the couch at home watching TV and we dang sure don't want to be doing that. Okay, so now we've got this all figured out and we're practicing a bunch, we're going to clinics, we've been, say it's winter time and springtime and the season's just heating up and we've got this goal to win our event at the end of the year. So how do we mentally prepare ourselves for that? One, we don't put too much pressure on ourselves. If that's our goal, then you know we need to work towards it, but it's about what we do on the day-to-day and making sure that we're doing everything that we can every day to be the best that we can. So um, when you're making, I guess, let's go back to defining your goals a little bit. When you are creating all this stuff, you also need to know what you're going to do every day to accomplish these goals. What are things that you need to get better at in order to win? What are the things that you need to work on Um you know, whether it's your flank or your gather or your dismount or do you, does your loop not come tight fast enough? If you're running barrels, is your horse just a little bit wide here or dropping there or, you know, where are those tenth of a second, half a second, full second strides and uh, things that we can change in order to get better? Um, so figure those things out and then make sure that we're practicing those deals every day, asking for help on those and trying new things. That's one thing, um, we've run into here lately at the house. Uh, we've really been working on with a couple of people, uh, how to try new things. So if we've got a loop that we can catch with and we're consistently catching, uh, but our loop isn't snappy. Let's try shortening up that spoke. Let's try a smaller loop. Let's try, uh, you know, just different things. Play with your rope. You know, they say it takes 10,000 times to become an expert. Well, in that 10,000 times, that's 10,000 different ways of doing things until we know exactly what works for us. So if you know that uh, there's a little thing here or a little thing there that's not quite snappy enough, not quite quick enough, what can we do to change it and just make a game out of it, make it fun to change those little things. And, and if it doesn't go right, well, then just laugh it off and say, well, that, that's not going to work for me. That small of a loop is a mess. I just roped myself or I wrote my dog or, um, you know, my horse just tried to run off because he dang sure didn't like my hands there. So, you know, do big adjustments, try it with a big adjustment here and there, and then go back to a little adjustment and Sometimes even just trying something for a couple days and then going back to the way you were doing it, uh, it'll come together and you'll just automatically start feeling better things. Um, I lived with a lady named Tana Rennick a couple summers ago in Oklahoma, and she's a really good barrel horse trainer. And she really opened my eyes to on my barrel horses, and you could do it in poles too. If you have a right, uh, a right barrel first horse, then, and it's not going well, switch them to the left for a little while. Just make them think different. Give them a new canvas. Try a new bit. She had 
opened my eyes also to hackamores uh, and the things that can happen with the hackamore and the different pressure points. And if you have it adjusted correctly and you train your horse and give them some time to get used to it in the round pen with the proper tools and asking them to move correctly on their own, when you go to take him to that left barrel with the new with the hackamore on instead of a bit in their mouth, you have got almost a whole new horse because they're feeling new things. You're going a new direction. You're just kind of scrambling their brain up a little bit to say, "Hey, let's let's try something new." You know what we've been doing isn't working, and you know even if it's not perfect at first, um, you might take them to the left for a week. You might take them to the left for a couple of practices. Or you might do it for a month and they start to really get it, but it's still not quite clocking right. Switch them back to the other direction and that horse might just be hungry for it then. He says, I'm tired of this left hand and stuff. Let's go back to the right. That was a lot easier. And then those horses will start trying to perform again at a better level because they're not they're not stuck in a routine. And, and we have to break up our routine as well. Because we get used to doing things and we get stuck into habits that we don't even realize we've created that cause a lot of these problems. So switching it up, you know, switch up your stirrup lengths. I don't personally know a lot about bull riding or rough stock events, but I'm sure that there are little things there on positioning that are very minor or major that you can switch up just to give yourself a blank canvas and just start to learn from scratch again. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about what we can do before we get to the arena in the practice pen and how to overcome some of those obstacles. So now let's talk about at the rodeo. What are we going to do when we're at the rodeo? We're getting nervous. We're excited. Our horses have another level of energy and um, we're just, how are we going to handle that? How are we going to handle that mentally? Well, we've already done our homework and we know that we have put the practice in. So we're going to take the stress off of ourselves and say, you know what? Whatever happens today, I know that I have prepared myself for this moment. If it works, awesome. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to work on the things. I'm going to focus on the things I've been working on in practice. And everything else, we're just going to do our best and stay a prayer and, and give it up to God as to what happens in the arena. Um, to me, I used to get to where I put way too much pressure on myself. I was practicing all the time. I was working really hard at it. And I got to the rodeo and I just, if I didn't do good, I'd want to throw my sucker in the dirt, stomp around, pout, have a bad time. And I really learned that that is not a good idea because that doesn't get us anywhere in the long run. What we need to do if things don't quite work out, we need to look at what we did or in the arena and say, okay, well, what went right? Let's figure out what went right first. What are the things that you've been working on up to this point that you executed correctly in this run? Was your tip better? Was your loop snappier? Was uh, Did your horse leave flatter? Did your horse turn the first barrel better but just got a little too close to the second? What were the good things that happened that we've been focusing on? So once we've defined the positive things, then we decide, okay, what do we need to work on? What are, what are we still lacking on and what can we take back to the practice pen? And then you take those things and you go finish working on those. But too often, I know I personally and some of the people that I've helped will get caught up in 
well, I've been practicing so long. It was supposed to be perfect when I went back to the competitive, when I went back to the arena to compete. Well, unfortunately, it doesn't quite work that way. Not only is there a lot more factors because it's not just us as humans that go into that arena to compete, but we've got judges, we've got flaggers, we've got horses who have brains, we have livestock who have brains, we have all of these factors that go into it that, um, it's not always going to be perfect, but as long as we focus on the things that we're doing better and making sure that we give ourselves some credit for the things that have gotten better and give our horses some credit for the things that we've taught them that they executed correctly, and then allow ourselves to just say, okay, well, I just need to keep working on this little thing. It's going to keep getting better. Uh, pouting is not something that is acceptable at our house. We have a five-minute pout rule, um, and you can read the article on the blog about that. So when I was little, I'd uh, you know, throw a fit about things, and my mom finally said, okay, Cam, you've got five minutes. Five minutes to pout. I'm going to leave you here alone. I'm going to leave you in the truck, and when I come back, you better have a smile on your face. And if I didn't, then I had to be, I was stuck in the truck by myself. I didn't get to walk around and pout. If I got out of the truck and I started pouting again, she put me right back in that truck and said, you're not coming out until you learn to deal with this and change your attitude. So uh, we really enforce that and we enforce that with anybody who gets in the truck um, with us. And it makes a huge difference. You know, Trevor, not Trevor Brazil, excuse me, Tyson Durfee had a uh, little video that I watched a couple months ago that talked about you have to focus on the next rodeo. It's not always going to go perfect. We're going to make mistakes, but you have to focus on getting to that next rodeo and what are you going to do there? That's what matters is what you're going to do there. So another thing in the arena while we're getting ready for it, for those runs and say we haven't made a run yet, let's focus on our energy. One thing that I've learned is how to control my energy from a horse that I used to pro rodeo on who, when I bought him, he was pretty high strung. He was a super nice horse. Um, his name was Taz. Tickle Me Milo was his registered name. Uh, but he was a little hot in the gate. He'd, he had some issues that weren't major, but they did affect how well I rode in the beginning. And as I wrote, he didn't scare me. You know, I wasn't afraid of him. And that's one thing that parents really need to make sure of if their kids are competing and struggling. Are they on a horse that they're comfortable with? You know, make sure that uh, that we're keeping our kids safe and that we are sure that they're not just rattled because this horse scares them. So my horse didn't scare me. But I did learn that I could get him in the gate much more effectively and calmly and keep his brain uh, not so rattled and just focused on the first barrel better if I learned how to control my energy. And when I say that, it doesn't mean walking in and most people just say, well, just relax. And everybody brings their shoulders up to their ears and they drop them real fast and they take this big fake shallow breath. <laughs> and we don't really relax. I mean, we might for a split second and that breath does help, but the energy goes a lot deeper than that. So what I learned to do through yoga is to start in my toes. Am I holding energy in my toes? And a lot of times I'm like, nope, nope, I'm not. People I help, they'll say, no, I don't have any energy there. And it's like, okay, 
take a big deep breath like in through the front of your like bring your shoulders forward up towards your ears and then roll them back as you exhale let's do that a couple of times and then let's ask again okay so let's wiggle our toes let's make sure our toes are nice and calm then our ankles do our ankles have energy in them and let's work our way up to our legs our legs connect to our horses and that's where we hold a lot of our energy when we get nervous our muscles tense up and we get excited and so we can still feel that you know i've learned to when my heart's beating super fast, I can still control the energy in my legs and make sure that I'm not tensing up on my horse's side. So, you know, go from your toes to your ankles, to your calves, to your knees, to your thigh muscles, to your hips. Hips are huge. That's a place that is known for people to store extra energy and stress. So let's really make sure to loosen up those hips and And really think about this while you're doing it and make sure that you're breathing while you're doing this as well. That in through your nose, out through your mouth, up through the front of your body, out through the back. And it sounds silly at first, but this is what champions do. You know, some of the things that that we hear people do or say, we're like, well, that's silly. I don't need to do that. I'm relaxed. I'm fine. I don't get nervous like that. Blah, blah, blah. Well, if you want to be a champion, then you're going to learn how to do this kind of stuff because this is what sets you apart. This is what makes a good horseman a good horseman. This is what keeps them calm and it fixes gate issues and box issues by learning to control our bodies and and the energy that we hold in them. You know, if we have that go-getter, like we're going to go win, but we're going to do it smoothly and calmly and level-headed This is how you do it. Even if you're going to get on a bull or a bucking horse, you know, I would think that how you approach that bull and the energy, if you've got a million things running through your head and you've got this energy just going with all these little cells just firing through your body, everything's going to get razzed up and nothing's going to stay as focused. So if you can learn to control that from your, the pinky toes to your tops of your head to the hairs, then that's going to help you stay focused on the things that you had practiced and practiced and practiced and help your horses stay focused and your animals. And it's just, it's going to help you better. So be better. So make sure that you're focusing on that energy. Every negative thought that you have, replace it with two positive thoughts. If you're just learning to overcome this, the negativity that we put on ourselves when, and we kind of, I talked about this a little bit earlier, uh, when you're done with your run, saying two positive things that happened before you say anything that you need to work on. And don't put it in a negative context. It's not, nothing bad happen. They're just things that situations that we can fix and make better next time. Uh, For the negative thoughts that we have, change them to two positive thoughts. Before you go in the arena, I know when I was learning more about mental strength, I would have a lot of times I'd be like, well, what if this happens? And what if that happens? And blah, 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 blah. And I was going on and, oh, but the ground is this. And this is, this calf is fast. Or, um, there's just a list of things that was going on through my head that were told these things were totally inaccurate and probably not even going to happen. So I started really 
addressing those thoughts and trying to change them to positive thoughts. So, well, if the ground, the girl before me, the ground was a little slick and she slipped, well, my horse can handle it, you know, because I've been working on it. He knows how to handle himself. He knows how to stand up. He's athletic enough and in the correct position. And I know that this is going to work. And um, I'm a good rider. I can handle this. I can focus. I can breathe. I can do all these things. Say I can instead of I can't. Say I am instead of I might. Um, changing those to affirmative, positive ways of thinking will help your mental game in the arena, in practice, in everything. No matter what you do, take the word can't 100% out of your vocabulary. That word is not allowed on our facility or in our truck. I can't is not something that we will ever accept here and you shouldn't accept it for yourself. Don't accept it for your friends either. If you hear your friends come out and they're frustrated and um, they're struggling to figure something out and they say, I can't do this, then just help them out and subtly say, yes, you can, or try to reword it to say, well, it might not have worked today, but tomorrow it'll work better. Or, hey, why don't you come over and practice with me and we can work on this together because you did this right and I did this, you know, I need help on this and vice versa. Like if if you have a strength and they have a strength and you have the opposite weaknesses, then help each other out, practice together and, and make it fun. Always, always, always keep it fun. Always keep a smile on your face. Stay humble. You know, the number one thing that I have another, I guess not the number one, but another thing that I've learned to do when I'm really focused and I really want something to go right and I'm getting in my head and I'm all these negative thoughts are starting to to creep into my mind I try to make myself smile even if I'm 100% alone I put this goofy cheesy fake smile on my face and then I'm laughing at myself like I said a lot of these times I do this when I'm completely alone if I'm frustrated with my horse or with myself or whatever or with life um I just smile until it's like, this is really silly. Why am I doing this? But then it's helping because all of a sudden I'm taking the stress off of myself and I'm just letting it be fun again and be goofy and keep it light because at the end of the day, this is a sport and this is for fun and we do want to be champions. We do want to win, but if we aren't enjoying it along the way, it's not worth any of it. So let's keep it fun. Keep it light. Uh, keep a smile on our face. And if you've gone through all this and at the end of the day, you know that you didn't do what it took to win that day or to compete to the best level that you could, and you know you sat inside and, and watched that TV show one, one more, or one more TV show, or you chose not to read a book, or you chose not to practice one day because it was kind of chilly. Um, if you're making those choices, then you have nobody to be angry with but yourself. And what you can do when you get done practicing and that really sinks in is you just change your attitude and you say, all right, we're done slacking. This was my fault. I take responsibility for it. It wasn't my horse's fault. I didn't put the time in for my horse to compete at the level it needed to. So I'm going to make sure that I'm going to go, I'm going to call up my trainer, my clinician, my friend, whoever can help me 
on my way home, I'm going to set up a lesson or a time to come over and ride, and we're going to fix this problem. We're going to fix my lack of practice, of heart, of desire, and I'm not going to be able to blame myself anymore. Um, So make sure that you are doing what it takes and that you're stepping up to the plate. And if you do that, then you should be able to sleep at night. That's I've got uh, a couple friends who say, well, I just can't sleep at night. I just can't sleep at night. And it's like, well, are you doing everything in your power to reach your goals, to accomplish what you need to do? If you're doing that and you can say at the end of the day, I fit everything into today in today that I possibly could to get to where I want to go, then you ought to be tired enough and you ought to know deep down in your heart that you've done everything and you ought to be able to sleep really well at night. As long as you're doing what it takes to get to where you need to go and you know that you're filling every day to get there, then you lay your head down, whatever worries you have, you give them up to God and you remember that you can't be brave if you're tired. You know, so you got to get some good sleep so you can get up tomorrow and you can practice just as hard tomorrow and the next day. But um, you got to get some sleep and you got to do enough to know that when you lay your head down at night, you've done everything that you can do. And that will help you in the arena mentally as well. Because at the end of the day, whether that run went great or there were some bumps in the road, you're going to know that you did everything you could up to that point to get to where you needed to go and that you've got until the next rodeo or till the next day or whatever it may be to get where you need to go for that next run where you compete. Um, The quote that I said earlier, you can't be brave if you're tired. That is one I heard on a podcast a while back and I'm not exactly sure which one it was. I think it was a Rachel Hollis podcast, but regardless, especially for kids, that's really important for them to get enough sleep. You know, where kids are learning, they're growing. Hopefully us as adults are doing that as well. But if they're tired, it's hard for them to focus. Their little bodies and brains, they just, they can't handle it all if they're tired too. Now, there are times that they have to learn to just overcome it and to step up and um, and to be tough anyway. But As parents, as guardians, as whoever's hauling these kids up and down the road, grandparents, let's make sure that we're doing what we can to get these kids into bed at the right time so that they can be brave the next day when they're competing and that they can make sure that they're able to give it their all because they're mentally strong. Along those lines goes just health in general. What you eat 100% affects your mentality. Make sure these kids are being healthy um, you when you go to the rodeo, don't just instantly give them five dollars to go buy all the snacks at the snack bar. Um, pack your own lunches if you need to. Keep these kids healthy and their their energy level up, but not to where they're running just on pure sugar. <laughs> it makes a big difference on on how long they last, on how they grow, on how they think, on how they compete, on how their energy levels affect their horses. So. Let's make sure we're doing our part to keep them healthy as well. And make sure that you are reading, educating yourself, staying open-minded, trying new things. The other part about mental strength is making sure that you are reading the books and learning from other people. What works for me mentally might not work for the next person 
we had a clinic here at the house with a, I think it was with Tana Rennick who came, or maybe it was Dina Kirkpatrick, but one of these barrel racing trainers came and somebody asked them about being nervous. She said, well, whenever I get that way, she said, I just take a deep breath and spit. And that's what she did. She said, I just spit on the ground, take a deep breath and spit. And that's what worked for her. You know, it's for me, it's making myself smile and and seem kind of goofy or releasing my energy. For her, it was spitting. For before I tied goats, I had a routine. Um, every time that I would go into the arena, I'd look at my goat. I'd kind of get lined up. I would stretch my arms out and make sure that the the cuffs of my sleeves were kind of pulled back and that I kind of had one nice big stretch in there before I went. I'd take my string out of my mouth and make sure to put it right back in where it needed to go. And I push my hat down. And then a lot of times I'd check my string one more time as I was turning my horse. And then we'd line up and we'd go tie that goat. And I did that routine every single time that I successfully tied. And it just kept me comfortable to this day, which I don't tie goats nearly as often as I used to, because unfortunately where I live, um, have lived, there aren't many open goat tyings. But when I do tie goats, I still do the same exact routine, and it just triggers my mind to say, all right, it's go time, girl. It is time to go make a run. And a lot of times in practice, I would do similar routines, uh, not necessarily every time in practice, but when I was putting myself in the scenarios at rodeos, I would do the same exact things and close my eyes and visualize what was happening, and and that would be how I started every run. Um, scenarios are another thing that you can do to prepare yourself mentally for every rodeo. When I was in high school, we worked really hard on uh, going to every single rodeo every time I practiced. And this was for tying goats. Obviously, we can't make a run on our barrel horses. Can't make 15 runs on our barrel horses for every high school rodeo that we're going to go to that season or that part of that season. But we did in the goat tying every single day we would put together a scenario so oftentimes my mom would hold my goats or friends were around we would close our eyes and we'd say okay where are you at and i would start saying waterloo iowa at the cattle congress and it's a covered arena it's the lights kind of funky in there but my horse usually does really good in there so um i'm fifth out on I'm fifth out in the lineup. I'll be second on my goat. It's a crazy goat, but we're just going to make the best of it. I have to make sure that I get off soon enough because that goat has a tendency to to run to the right, and I got to give my horse time to move out of the way. And I would create those scenarios in my head just on the ground. I didn't even have a horse with me. And we would run through that every single time, every single rodeo in that fall or that spring. Sometimes it was eight rodeos. Sometimes it was ten rodeos. Um, but we'd work through that until I got it right. So if I didn't tie correctly, I might jump up and say, oh, my goat got away and I get a rerun on that one. It's the cool thing about the practice pin. You can have as many reruns as you need at that rodeo to make it right. But then when I got to those rodeos, I already knew exactly what it was going to be like. You know, I had it in my head. I'd practiced in that arena in the mud. I'd practiced in that arena in the snow. I'd practiced there when it was super, super hot, you know, because I had closed my eyes and I had put myself in that situation. So if you can do that, even if you can't 
if you're not in a situation to be able to practice it, um, practice it live, like I was able to tie goats on the ground. And like I said, you can't do that with your barrel or pole horse or even with your rope horse, you can't rope that many of them. But when you're sitting there at night, um, eating supper, you're on the couch watching TV, just winding down at the end of it, at the end of the day, lay down or sit down and visualize those places, visualize what's going to happen. And a lot of times you'll find there's places when you've got your eyes closed and you're going through it, that you have a hitch. There'll be a place that you'll pause and it'll, you can't quite make yourself get through that spot. Those are the spots that we're pausing when we're actually in the run. So if you can work on that, when you don't have anybody else around, when there's nobody else that's going to be affected by it, work through those places that your mind just naturally pauses and force yourself to work through that to where you can rope that calf snap here. Sometimes it's right when you go to deliver, you can catch yourself not going all the way. That's one thing I used to struggle with in the breakaway roping is I would only... I. I wouldn't follow through all the way. I'd let go of my rope just a little bit too soon with my eyes closed and nobody around, no calf, no bale, nothing. I was having that problem. So once I learned to overcome that, then I could do it on live calves and in the practice bin and at the rodeo. And the last thing that I want to talk about, I apologize, I've been a little bit all over the board with this mental strength uh, topic, but I want to... Talk about making sure that you know what you're there for. And we kind of talked about that in defining our goals um, at the very beginning. But make sure that when you are going in that arena, that you are doing it for a purpose. When you define that goal at the very beginning with your pen and paper or when you're writing down how you're going to get there, um, know why you're doing it you know is it for a bigger purpose are you just trying to win in that moment for that year what's that going to lead you to in the big picture and how is that going to help other people you know is it is being a part of rodeo and uh you know wanting to compete at a high level what are you going to do when you win that championship is that going to lead you to practice a little bit more to try to win another one to where you can get to where you're winning a lot? And maybe you're going to start training horses for other people. Maybe you're going to start giving lessons. Maybe you're going to donate part of your funds to cancer research. Um, maybe you want to become a college rodeo coach. Uh, maybe you want to become a professional athlete so you can inspire others. If you can create a reason for yourself to become a champion and to win that's bigger than you, it will make winning so much more fun. And it will there will be a bigger purpose behind it. If you can make it to where me being able to, you being able to win allows you to help somebody else. It's going to mean so much more to you and to them, whether that person or those individuals know it, whether that's a short-term goal or a long-term goal. If you can have a reason bigger than you to do what you do, your life is going to be so much more fulfilled. You're going to have a better reason to stay focused. Um, A lot of times we get in our own heads because 
it's about us. And so we're only thinking about me, 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 me all the time. Well, I did this. Well, I did this. Well, if you can take the pressure off of yourself and say, hey, I'm doing this to help this person or I'm doing this to help this organization or I'm doing this because I want to become a coach and help people in the future or I want to spread the sport of rodeo or I want to learn how to do this for this organization, um, it's going to make it a lot more fulfilling for you and it's going to just be worth it and it's going to make you want to practice that much more. I know for myself, a lot of the things that I do now, and I didn't know it so much in high school. So if you're in high school or, you know, younger, some of you kids that are listening to this uh, and families are are younger and you're not to the point where you're sure about why you're even competing, except that it's just fun. And that's totally okay. But I've always known that I wanted to help kids. I started helping kids when I was um, a junior in high school. We started doing clinics here at the house for for little kids that were just getting started. And it has grown into a career for me that I don't get to compete nearly as much as I would like to. But when I do, I want to compete to get better so that I can learn more, so that I can share it with all of you who are listening. I want to get better to win. Yes, we all want to win. I want to be able to have belt buckles and saddles in my own trophy room and all that kind of stuff in the long run. But more importantly, everything that I've learned, I get to share with somebody else. And I'm so fortunate to be able to do that. I get to help more people. And that makes it worth so much more. When I enter the arena and I get to come out with my experience and do podcasts like these, and I hope that all of you are able to learn something in the arena or in practice or anywhere that you can share outside of the arena. Once you put put your competition, your competitive runs, your desire to get better into a bigger purpose, I really, really believe that a lot of the mental problems that we have go away. Uh, We quit putting so much pressure on ourselves. We make it more fun when we do good. It's not just because we did good. Um, I listened to a video the other day that I shared on RodeoKids.com as well, and I'll add a link to this video in the comments. The video was about a gentleman who was in college, and he had been in school for a long time. He went to a, a big, it sounded like a private school, and he had worked really hard to become the valedictorian. And he was the valedictorian, and he said, for 15 seconds, it built up. It built up, and I got that award, and I was really excited for 15 seconds. And in the 16th second, it was gone. He felt nothing. He didn't feel that excited anymore because it was all about him. And what he did in that time, he forgot about his relationships and about the purpose behind it. And yes, it was a great honor. Yes, it's a great resume builder. Yes, it was something that he's really proud that he accomplished. But the things that he sacrificed for that one moment for him to feel like the valedictorian wasn't worth it in that 16th moment, you know. So make sure that while you are doing this, that you're doing it for more, that you're still cherishing those relationships, that you're still valuing what you're learning and just keep it fun. Make it about your family. Make it about your friends. Make it about someone else or a bigger purpose other than yourself. Allow yourself to really enjoy it and get better and give back and learn from everything 
control your energy and just let it be a growing experience to where when you win, you're winning for God, you're winning for your family, you're winning for more than just yourself. Um, And I hope that that helps. If y'all have any questions, again, I apologize. This podcast was a little all over the place. Um, My notes were really organized, but it didn't quite work out that way. Please do not hesitate to contact us at rodeokids.com. Give us a phone call, 641-799-5042. Email info at rodeokids.com. We'd be glad to answer any of your questions, whether it's drills or mental strength or products needed. Anything that we can do to help you, we want, we're here for you. We want to see you grow as individuals. We want to see the the sport grow for families, and we want this lifestyle to continue for generations and generations to come. So let us help you. Don't be afraid to ask. If you have any suggestions on other podcasts you'd like to hear or input you'd like to share with others, please, please comment. Thank you all, and have a great day. This podcast was brought to you by the RodeoKids.com shop page. You can find all kinds of your rodeo needs from apparel to ropes to everything in between. All you have to do is click on the shop tab to find everything you're looking for on RodeoKids.com.